Welcome to Unbundling Embedded Finance, your insight into the future of financial services. Today's guests are Alexandria Gessner, VP of Onboarding and Integration, and Ricardo Colnaghi, Head of Business Development. Enjoy the show. So welcome back to episode two of the Unbundling Embedded Finance podcast. And today we're going to talk about banking as a service and how that's disrupting the financial value chain. And before me, I have two pretty cool people from Solaris. I have Ricardo and Alex. Would you please introduce yourselves and say a little bit about, you know, what you do at Solaris, who you are? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Elliot, for, for having me. Uh, my name is Ricardo. I'm uh, head of business development um, at Solaris. Basically, that means that uh, my role um, looks after the a commercial go-to-market strategy for the organization, um, looking at companies that uh, we can successfully work with and uh, distribute our financial products through, as well as uh, finding uh, exciting uh, use cases and implementations of uh, embedded, uh, embedded finance within, uh, within society. Thanks, Ricardo. Yes, and I'm Alex. Hi, my pronouns are she and her. I am VP of integration and onboarding. And what that means is that I have the great honor of looking after a total of six teams with 36 team members. And it's our mission to bring our partners live with their products in any markets that they want to go to with any kind of setup that they that they have. Oh, that seems very fun and very challenging, both at the same time. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> there it is. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the intros. So as we're going to discuss banking as a service and probably also get into embedded finance, of course, that goes along with that, specifically how uh, BOSS is disrupting the financial services value chain. It'd be good if we define uh, some terms before we get going. So can you just quickly answer, like, what is banking as a service? And, you know, what, what is this financial services value chain yeah, sure. I, I can start. And then uh, and then I think Alex uh, will add some concrete examples to it. Uh, it's good to set the scene. And uh, probably we, we could start from the fact that financial services are, of course, a very complex offer. Um, so if we take the financial value chain, probably uh, we are used to think at the, at the bank as uh, one of the key players within, uh, within that value chain. Um, and certainly, you know, when you think at what a bank needs to actually put forward the financial proposition, it's a very complex mixture of, of functions and uh, technological components. I mean, we have in there, uh, of course, uh, compliance, legal, uh, treasury, and, uh, and many more functions. And then on top of it, you have the whole tech stack that the bank needs to develop to basically power all those all those products. Um, and so the idea is that, of course, you know, uh, having the ambition of setting this up all by yourself and uh, and maintaining it also on a yearly basis is maybe too much um, sometimes, also considering that you may not want to do this as a core business. And that's where a banking as a service provider comes in. So it is basically a bank that, however, is giving all of this in as a service. So the tech component and all these functions and and and. Uh, running processes of a bank as a service to another business, another entity that has the ambition to offer financial services, however, without building the whole uh, basically infrastructure from, from scratch. Right, of course, because that is very, very costly in terms of both, of course, both time and resources, both human and, well, monetary. Exactly. Yes. So uh, that it seems like this would also be be used. The uh, banking as a service is also useful for like those entities that like want to build their own sort of banks as well. Yes, exactly. So banking as a service can be used in various ways. It can be used to 
uh, basically build um, a, a bank from scratch, of course, uh, in its full breadth of product range, uh, or also a bit more pick and play uh, where basically, um, you know, a, a retailer or a corporate, an enterprise, they just want to plug in a payment service, a loan, um, or another financial offer within their core business value, which it's typically not a financial product, but it's something like a checkout uh, process right. or, uh, you know, a, a loan given at the, at the dealer or, uh, you know, you think of basically ways in which you can uh, meaningfully and synergetically include financial financial services within your product value chain, which is traditionally not uh, within the financial space. Oh, that's a very, very good way to, that's a very good way to put it. So like, what's a, what, what would be a good example of what this is? Like a, a, an offering in this area, an embedded yeah. finance. So what that looks like in practice is that banking as a service kind of almost reconfigures the banking chain because mm -hmm. it puts all the power and, and the ownership of the relationship back to the brands uh, using power of cloud and digital technology. Mm -hmm. So this way, non-financial players can market and, and offer financial products precisely where and when they're needed and where they add a benefit to the customer base. And a very prominent example of this is Samsung Pay. Before okay. this was uh, launched in South Korea in 2015, Samsung was known to most people for mostly electronics, right? Uh, the TVs, the fridges, mm -hmm. the phones. I saw even some vacuum cleaners, um, but people didn't necessarily think finances when they thought Samsung. And uh, today, through our partnership, you can pay for your purchases with Samsung Pay, with a virtual card that you have on your phone. You can decide to uh, split larger payments into installments, all digitally on your phone, without the hassle of paperwork or credit decisioning. Right. I know that's a really great example of a, so a non-financial player, in the strict sense, offering a financial services in line with their product offerings. So moving, moving on, are there... Any other examples that maybe you, Ricardo, have of how uh, boss players like Solaris impact the financial value chain? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, you can basically think at uh, instead of uh, uh, setting up and running your own bank as a corporate and a retailer, um, you can basically piggyback on a player like Solaris to uh, bring to market lots of financial services that will ultimately be owned by, by yourself as a corporate from a commercial perspective and be run in the back by the, the real bank, of course, uh, the real uh, license entity, which would be Solaris. And um, we have a, a vast range of products that we can, uh, that we can power. Um, the most typical could be you know, a debit card uh, or, or a credit card um, that um, uh, a retailer could uh, put forward in the market with uh, uh, obvious loyalty uh, interest that they have in it, right? Um, because if the end customer uses this card, then they will be able to redeem certain points within their core business, which is maybe about selling, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, mobility services or uh, um, furniture or uh, even food services, wh whatever that is, right? So it's really about finding the synergies um, between the financial service and your core business. Well, I love that answer, finding the synergies between financial services and your core business. Uh, so how does embedded finance, specifically embedded finance driven by banking as a service players, impact the industry? Um, yeah, right. So basically banking as a service has uh, uh, a huge impact um, in the market and uh, within the financial industry. And the main reason is that um, one of the comments I get uh, very often is, 
you know, uh, people tend to see consolidation within the financial industry these days, and they think that there are um, less and less banking propositions that are digital first. But actually, what is really happening, and uh, this is mostly thanks to banking as a service, is that there is, in fact, fragmentations of financial solutions in the market. And um, there is a very vibrant uh, offer of uh, neo banking solutions, for example, that are targeting more and more niche customer bases. So instead of having um, a neo bank that basically takes the whole customer base, you will have um, 50 neo banks that focus on a very small niche and make their product very, very valuable for the customer base they are targeting. I will give you, uh, Elliot, uh, some concrete examples for this. And uh, we already partner with, uh, with quite a lot of uh, uh, interesting neo banks that have decided to focus on environmentally friendly financial services for people that care a lot about the environment or uh, financial services that target very young customers, um, you know, 18 years old, uh, uh, between 18 and, and 25, or, um, you know, focused on SMEs and freelancers. Um, some of our partners even look at the uh, medical space. Um, you know, all these customer bases will have their own special needs um, and um, with that, they can tailor the financial proposition for the for the persona they serve. Uh, thanks for that answer. Alex, uh, what's your view on this? Not sure. I've got so much to add, to be honest. I think that's a very good answer. Um, maybe one point in, in addition to vertical banking enabling that segmentation is that it also allows you to move into previously untapped markets, especially in groups and communities that are currently underserved by incumbent solution. So whether that's only 21% of women use fintech products or target groups like homeless people, young entrepreneurs, really is, is very open. And the beauty of embedded finance is that any company can kind of offer it, whether it's a company that's a financial institute and has a license but needs the speed of a scale-up to bring a product to market really fast, or whether it's a non-financial player. And if I can maybe add to, to this uh, one, one more comment, I really think that through banking as a service, um, our, our partners, the corporates and retailers, um, you know, they don't need to invest to set up a whole new bank from scratch and run it, which means that the cost, the investment as a, as a whole is also much lower. Therefore, their customer base can be much smaller. And that's why they can really focus on the niche. If you wanted to set up your own bank, you know, it would be a massive investment. And that would mean that you would need to have, you know, you would need to target millions of, of customers and not thousands. The beauty of embedded finance is that anyone can offer it, whether it is someone that already has a banking license, but maybe needs the speed of a scale up to bring a product to, to the market very, very quickly, or whether that's a non-financial player that is visible somewhere in the marketplace. And um, when we take buy now, pay later as an example, this is something that allows players to offer deferred payment options at the point of yeah. purchase or past the point of purchase without the need for filling in like a credit application and then waiting for a decision and doing this every single time you want to get a loan, right? Right. And that's been super established and customer-focused embedded finance. Uh, I'm sure our listeners can name at least three different shops online or offline where buy now, pay later is advertised. Um, but when it comes to B2B, that arrived a little late to the party. I think because seamless checkout, you know, that's something that was needed first. You really needed a good customer experience yeah. because you didn't want that to hit your conversions and to lose a purchase because Absolutely. someone's frustrated, right, with a sign up. 
and that's now rapidly enabling businesses to to access a modern and digital version uh, of traditional trade credit. Alex, I think you mentioned earlier financial inclusion. So how does embedded finance enable financial inclusion? And uh, Ricardo, can you kick off that question? Yeah, sure. Sure, Elliot. And uh, I think this also connects to what we were saying before about uh, verticalization. Um, as, as we said, banking as a service is an infrastructure, right? Um, and then uh, corporates, enterprises and partners, they can use it um, basically um, to, to tailor their financial offer to a specific customer niche. And sometimes the, the, the business uh, idea that they have goes in the direction also of fin uh, financial inclusion. And uh, again, I can bring up a couple of examples. Um, uh, you know, uh, you might think at uh, a partner that wants to offer uh, a banking solution to, to a foreign community living in a country. And uh, of course, um, uh, we are a bank and as a bank, um, we, we basically have the same uh, checks that any bank would need to do. And we can only open accounts to those that are eligible. But at the same time, you can build on top a lot of uh, value-added services that can make the life of uh, these people easier because maybe it's in the language that they're more familiar with or has uh, specific services that, uh, that they may need. And this could also go in the direction of financial inclusion towards a very young people, for example. Um, you know, there is a new trend called uh, teenage banking, even uh, where you have parents giving pocket money, not anymore in a, in a cash form, but in a digital form by opening a pocket in their own account um, that is under their name. So this is another example, I think, of uh, potentially financial inclusion to a certain extent. Um, all of this um, can uh, can definitely help financial inclusion and um, it's empowered by banking as a service uh, that, uh, again, uh, enables this creativity towards the market. Okay, uh, thank you for those uh, for that explanation. So what are the main benefits uh, for the customer? We see a lot of brands push into this market, right? And what that means is lots of competition. And this game will be won by whoever is leveraging the potential of modern APIs the best. So it really will be that brand, that company, that institution that has the most frictionless user experience where I'm not already really frustrated when I try to sign up and I get a million error messages. Um, if you think of like the top three traditional banks in whatever country you're currently in, you're currently listening from, do they really cater to your financial needs? Are their products exciting? You know, Do they have a great UX and an intuitive app with an actual value? Or is the most digital thing about them that they have Wi-Fi in their branches? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if people usually think of financial products as exciting, but I guess that's the value add of banking as a service versus a sort of traditional, traditional siloed approach from like an incumbent. I think a lot of our partners find it super exciting because the the what banking as a service allows you to do is to take back that ownership, right, of the relationship. No one knows your customers better than you do. And so if you use that knowledge to kind of seamlessly integrate solutions, that makes their life easier. And why would they then go and go somewhere else for their payment services, right? And it doesn't matter whether you're looking for innovation or clean investing or a trusted partner who you feel safe with your data with, it's unlikely that incumbents can cater to all of that. But the brands you already turn to because you agree with their values, maybe because they're sustainable or minority owned or active in the diversity space, or they just offer a financial solution that's really, really cool that you really, really like. You know, why go somewhere else or make an appointment to go get a credit line when there is a choice that is more in sync with your life? Thank you for that answer. That was a great answer. 
So for for the last question, it's a bit a it's a bit of a broad one. So can every company become a fintech? Ricardo, how about you give your give your thoughts on that first? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good one, and um, I would say certainly that's that's the vision that we would want to empower. At the same time, um, we also have to be realistic, and my view here would be that. Um, uh, through banking as a service, uh, many more companies can become a fintech. Um, at the same time, it needs to make sense. As we've seen, uh, banking as a service entails a partnership. Um, there is uh, there is the bank in the back, um, and there is a partner that is also active in uh, you know defining user experience and uh, uh, the the commercial proposition around the financial offer. Therefore, let's say if any any company can can become fintech i don't know but i would say mostly would be those companies that have skills um around uh ux and that can find synergies with their core business um in a meaningful way uh connecting the financial offer and the core business through um typically loyalty systems and and other uh, creative solutions so alex so what's your response to to that I, I agree with that. I really think it depends on how good your offer is in terms of added benefits to the customer, but also customer experience. You know, payments happen more and more in the background. I want to find a cab. I want to go to a place. I don't care about having cash on me necessarily. And there are solutions today that let me do that just on my phone. And I don't really, I don't really pay attention to it unless I really, really make myself think about it. And the the winners of all of those offering financial services and solutions will be the ones that can offer a great interconnectivity with other apps, I think. So that could be big banks, it could be fintechs, it could be both. Um, it could be a combination of, you know, banking, payments, fintech, trading. And I do, I do think that most companies will offer financial products to diversify their offering and to own that relationship. Because why would you leave that to an incumbent? That's a piece of pie you can have in terms of data and knowledge and engagement with your community, but there needs to be context. Like I don't need a banking solution, you know, because I have a cat um, and I'm someone who likes an escape room and then a different app for banking because my favorite drink is water. So I do think we're already seeing like a rise of random things <laughs> and there will be niches that make sense to certain demographics and, you know, more power to them. Um, but there will also be a certain level of consolidation for those that really, really make sense and add value. And Solaris, you know, being the leading banking as a service provider in Europe is best positioned to enable that contextual finance with our bank license and our tech stack. Thank you. Thank you for that. So we've covered a lot of subjects, but I think as a short summary, uh, banking as a service allows companies to take back ownership. And that's very, very important uh, and also develop a bigger, a broader user base across vertical. So uh, thank you, Alex and Ricardo for stopping by today. And until next time. See you. Thank you. See you. You've just been listening to Unbundling Embedded Finance, your insight into the future of financial services. Today's guests were Alexandria Gessner, VP of Onboarding and Integration, and Ricardo Colnage, Head of Business Development. Next time on the pod, we'll cover how companies can position themselves in today's very competitive financial services market. Unbundling Embedded Finance is brought to you by Solaris Finco and Cognito Media Amsterdam. Thanks for listening and until next time.